This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good lad. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Set Gap Football Podcast, and we're on the way to the Euros. Or at the very least, we have an outside shot at making third spot and reaching a potentially treacherous playoff against a probably reasonably well-ranked opponent. But it's all with Emmett here at Ken Early and Kieran Murphy regardless. Hi, guys. Hello there, all. Hey, it occurred to me as Robbie Brady ran over to take that corner. We're facing to a lot of dead rubbers, Ken, if yeah. Brady doesn't deliver a good set piece here, which he struggled to do for a lot of the game. Thankfully, he did. And thankfully, we're still alive. Yeah, um, we An are. An exciting moment. It was. I mean, I thought Brady had played his way back into it by then. I'd, I'd forgiven him. Even if that hadn't uh, even if that hadn't ended up in the net, I would have thought, yeah, I think mm. Robbie Brady. Was there an element of uh, the Poles having, having uh, given up on Robbie Brady, though, uh, given the amount of space that they just seemed to hand to him in the second half? I think Poland lost a lot of... Um, I think Poland did the kind of thing Ireland often did. I mean, Poland uh, were winning. They obviously decided, oh, we want to hold on to what we've got. And suddenly they were defending on the edge of their own box, which uh, <laughs> which whenever you see Ireland ending up doing it, you know that a goal is going to come. Now, I didn't necessarily think it was going to work out that way, but um, I think Ireland did deserve to get it. As I don't know. It, yeah, yeah, sorry. As it turned out, I mean... We got the goal in the way that we always knew we'd get the go- get the goal. Second balls off Wes Hulan. <laughs> Send <laughs> the big know. man to the back stick. You know, just get uh, the one across. Couple there. of diags. God, you know, get Wes involved in the corners. Yeah. Just uh, little little bits and pieces <laughs> off Wes. Yeah. That's what we knew. Similar here. type of goal in the way to the one against Germany, where it was like also a long cross, kind of knocked back into the middle and um, a finish off from close range. Mm. Different players involved. Who was, was involved in both moves? There was a brief moment. There was a brief pause in the stadium. I I felt. I don't know if, if you did or how it came across on TV, but it seemed as though 
nobody was sure it had gone in for a second. It was just a strange trajectory because yeah. as, as we see uh, in retrospect, it wasn't the cleanest of finishes from Shane Long. It, it looked like an amazing chip, whereas actually it sort of chipped up off he, he the He knocked it off defender. defender's leg, right? So there was that split second where it just dribbles. Oh, no, that, why that's definitely not going. <laughs> yeah, why is it just rolling so ever so slowly? And uh, I must say, I, I thought for a moment it was Robbie Keane. It's, you know, after the initial, yeah, you're yeah. then looking, wait, who scored this goal? Yeah. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. <laughs> what, what happened down there? Yeah, what, what's happening here? It's really hard when you're at the stadium to tell what's going on at, the, at this thing. You need to be watching it on TV. But I did feel for a second. I thought it was Robbie for a second, only because Shane Long, for a guy who's not clinical, doesn't score. He scored a few goals for Ireland, them, a lot of them in friendlies. But uh, somebody who we think struggles for, with confidence in front of goals, when he does score them, his celebrations are so relaxed and so cool. It's as though, yeah, I've scored 65 goals for Ireland, mm. uh, which is why for a second I thought it was Robbie, even though they're completely different uh, different body shapes. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. Uh, it struck me walking to the ground. It was quite similar to the Heineken Cup semi-final in 2006 in that Poland were taking the role of Munster, in this case mm. as the away team, who seemed to have got their hands on a hell of a lot of tickets and they didn't quite take more than half the ground, as, as was the case at that stage. But uh, it was quite clear that the Poles were going to be driving the atmosphere. But in fairness, Irish fans responded really well, particularly the the group there in the South Sound. But just everybody, actually, all the Irish fans seem to really get buoyed up by it. You're, you're able to lose yourself a little bit more as a supporter when the, there are 20,000 opposition supporters uh, firing you up. And, yeah. you can, and you can react to them, I think. Yeah, they re- they kind of provoked a response from the Iron fans. So it was the best. Um, it was the best atmosphere we've had for Irish fans. Need to be away from home to make loads of noise, yeah. and that felt like it, we were away from home. Well, I think I sent you a text on just before the kickoff saying, "Where are all the Ireland fans?" And we were looking around. Um, you were sitting in a different part of the press box from me, looking around, thinking, "There's still quite a lot of empty seats here." You know, this, this kind of middle tier is, is still mostly empty. I can see a lot of empty seats. People are leaving it late to get here. As is usually the way, in fairness, the polls seem to have all been there from at least an hour before kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he said there are pockets of them around the place. Just uh, there are some small pockets of them on your right. Just don't look to your left. So I looked to my left, <laughs> and it appeared that the entire that entire sort of west stand. Uh, to the left was full of yeah, because the south stand obviously was the the small stand we'll call it yeah. in Lansdowne Road. That's always where the away fans. The north, are. One, the north one is the midget stand. The the Havelock Square. Sorry, yeah. Havelock Square. So yeah, it's sorry. So that that's the one that was is always given over to away fans. In this case, the polls took up every last bit of their allocation there. But yeah, their support then swept all the way. It seemed to me around the west stand or a long way around the west stand to pretty pretty close to the press box. There was a, a barrier between me and the Polish fans taken up by a lot of fairly angry Irish fans, but I, I mean angry in a way that football supporters should be at a game. G- yeah. g- getting stuck into the polls. Go on, Ireland, get into them. <laughs> yeah, ah, James McLean gets stuck in there. We'll talk about James McLean's tackle later on, actually, <laughs> and if that provoked probably a bigger reaction than the last-minute goal. Uh, but such is the way of these things. Let's get into Kennedy's report on sport. Yeah, there were two great moments from the Polish fans last night. I, thought. I mean, the first was obviously during the anthem when they produced all these uh, flares... Uh, filling the whole stadium with smoke. Um, that smells like an atmosphere. It does. I mean, and the match actually kicked off in this, um, you know, haze. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, this is, the, I mean, I, I think flares massively improve an atmosphere. Now, UEFA don't really agree. Uh, <laughs> there are matches, uh, you know, abandoned. I mean, there was this game between Russia and Montenegro uh, where things went really wrong. I mean, okay, it wasn't just flares there. There was uh, things being thrown around and players fighting and so on. But um, 
I, I sometimes wonder what the problem is with flares when they're so obviously a great thing. Um, is there a danger issue with having all of these incandescent uh, objects uh, being hurled around? Quite possibly, yes. Uh, but if nobody does get hurt, if nobody gets hurt, uh, it's the best possible way to start a match. Then there was after they scored, uh, the Polish fans were all on their feet all around the stadium, uh, whirling their scarves around their head, uh, creating quite an impact, a visual kind of an impact. And uh, at that point, I have to say, things look pretty bleak uh, for Ireland. Um, and then that was pretty much the lowest point because uh, from that point, Ireland came back into the game and, uh, and eventually won. Now, I want to give you on my player ratings. Oh, Ken Early's player ratings. These tend to be controversial. I don't know if you ever... Do they tend to be controversial? Well, no, I've never actually done them. No, not necessarily yours. I mean, player ratings in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They seem to be bizarrely looked upon as, uh, as some sort of very important scientific way of... Players have been known in, in sports to get very annoyed when they don't get a high player rating. So just beware that uh, yeah. Robbie Keane might be listening to this, Ken. Yeah. On his way back to LA. Well, maybe he should switch off. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he should... I don't know, check his, his Spotify doesn't, playlist. Doesn't sound like Robbie's doing Some whale really. sounds. Mm. But, I, think, but, I, mean, uh, I think Zodiac is still being shown on <laughs> Aer Lingus uh, Transatlantic Flights. Uh, maybe you could check out the movies. For the next couple there, of see uh, what, hours. See what's what. But, I mean, so um, uh, it's a 0 to 10 rating system. Pretty um, pretty uh, commercial mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and uh, what you immediately notice when you start doing power ratings is that everyone pretty much is going to get a 6 or 7. Mm. It might as well be a zero or one binary rating system, uh, meaning zero meaning didn't play that well, and one meaning played quite well. Well, you need three, really, don't you? Three. I mean, I know it's uh, we'll have to throw out the binary system, but you think there's one? The lads not done well. Yeah. The lads done okay, and the lads had one of his best games for Ireland. There but, are your three ratings. But there are too many, too many sort of almost shades of grey. I mean, if it's well, in what a I found, three in a three point ranking system. Yeah, but what I, I'm, I mean, I'm using a not to ten ranking system here, mm-hmm. but I can only give everyone a mark of either six or seven. Why is that? Why? Is because that if good? I give them a mark of six, that's bad, because they, in my opinion, they haven't made it. At the same time, it still seems to be more than halfway to ten. They haven't played that badly. They've done okay, but they could have done better. Uh, and seven is not that much more than six. But I mean, it is more than six. Right. So, what I'm saying, but they haven't necessarily blown away the football world with the performance. What I'm saying, there's still three marks out of ten that they missed for various things. So, uh, in this not to ten system, everyone's got either six or seven. Right. Well, that's pretty. Bland. But six is really six, as a result of just the just the context here. Six is is effectively zero. <laughs> you gotta love these guys who can't do player ratings without giving someone seven and a half. So I mean, you've got, te- you've got ten options. Yeah. You're telling me there's just not enough, as you say, shades of grey there. Well, you know, it's, it's six or seven. I mean, I'm saying most of the, most of the things they did were, right, were good. Well, go, go okay, Shea yeah. Given. Yeah. Six. I'm giving him six. So. I don't think he had a lot to do. Well, then you're punishing him for the... Uh, for the goal. And but, you know, the at the same time, you've got to win it. you got to win a seven. You've got to go out there and take a seven. If you want to get a seven, you've got to go out there and take it. Take the damn thing. And okay. in the case of Shea Given, he 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 didn't have too many options. I mean, he he had he faced one serious shot, and it went into the net. Now I don't necessarily blame him for not saving that that shot. It was a very good shot. It was really nailed into the corner. On the other hand, he didn't save it. So six. <laughs> All right. Seamus Coleman, I'm giving him six. 
What? You you look disappointed. You yeah. look almost like Seamus Coleman's cousin or something. I can't, I, I can't believe Seamus Coleman is as bad. It doesn't get a higher rating than the lowest rating on this team. Well, maybe Seamus if you're Coleman telling me is Seamus paying... Coleman, go on, sorry. Yeah, I'll let you finish. Maybe he's paying the price for being one of our best players. Maybe what I'm saying with the six is that I expect even more from Seamus Coleman, even more than he gave us last night. There was a, he, he, he started off with a run down the right-hand side. It's quite an exciting way to start the match. You remember that run? Right he ran 70 yards down the left of the pitch, <laughs> then was dispossessed, and they ran all the way back <laughs> up the other end. It was, you immediately thought, okay, this game could be quite open based on that. And there was another great run um, when McCarthy sort of headed a ball towards the corner, and Coleman didn't look favoured to get there, but got there, won a free kick. Um, that kind of stuff was good. On the other hand, there was a shot on. There was an 80-second minute shot. shot. You know. I, I sort of felt with that one, even though every rule in football tells you that the guy running onto the ball should be the one who takes the shot. Yeah. I was looking at it going, Robbie, I don't care if you've got your back to the goal. Take this off, Seamus Coleman. Wriggle, wriggle around a little no. bit. Wriggle around a little bit and kick a deflected shot in. I thought he, I thought he did the right thing. Um, I thought Robbie Keane did the right thing uh, but Coleman uh, oh no he did he did 100 that's what I'm saying he did 100% the right thing but maybe the right thing was the wrong thing in this, on this occasion yeah well John O'Shea and Mark Wilson it, it seems wrong to consider them even as individuals such, <laughs> such was their telepathic unity they were like a, a green shirted Siamese twin at the back uh, repelling a uh, highly rated uh, duo of Polish strikers in Lewandowski and Arkadiusz Milik, who didn't really uh, have to have... I mean, Lewandowski and Milik didn't really have any chances. No, their service wasn't great after Poland scored anyway and they stopped attacking. But they didn't... They, You know, I think that I think that Wilson and O'Shea kept them pretty much under wraps. And the yep. only real chance they gave away was that one when Brady passed it back inside and Wilson was caught. So I'm going to give them both seven. Aren't? Okay, so Will Shea gets a seven. Will Shea, seven points out of ten. Uh... Robbie Brady, he's going to get a six on. He's going to get a six. Now, it could have been a five. It was a real roller coaster of a six. Mm. You know? It was. It looked like it at one stage it could have been the dreaded five. Mm. But it turns out he actually had a good second half. So He did. And, you know, he if, if it hadn't, you know, the fact that he, created, he, he put in a lot of crosses, um, which improved as the game went on. I mean, he started off the game... Uh, and I think it's an attacking um, selection to have him in there. I thought it was positive. I thought it was this is good. I want this is this is what I wanted to see. He's not a, he's not much of a defender, but I think he's a good footballer. And you know he, his delivery is, has whenever he's played for Ireland, it's been a big weapon. I think we're being quite generous there. I do feel if Stephen Ward had played exactly how Robbie Brady played, you'd be giving him a five. I think you're, I think you're on the basis that Robbie Brady that we all like to see somebody really skillful back there a guy who can really attack where or you in this case are being somewhat generous towards Robbie Brady I'm saying, I, I thought he had a nightmare I'm to be say, honest well well um, you thought he had a nightmare but I thought that he demonstrated great character because after starting the game not very well making making one numerous mis- mistakes making a couple of mistakes uh, he got he got robbed um, gave the ball away um, didn't learn, gave it away again, <laughs> gave it away again, and conceded what Martin O'Neill later referred to as a very silly goal. Um, after that, uh, it was obviously going to be difficult for him because he's he's there. He's a 23 year old player uh, playing in his first big competitive game, and 
his eye, his face is burning with shame. You know, it's, oh no, I've cost the team the goal. Everybody knows it. This is a disaster. And he has to try and play his way back into the game. And it was difficult for him to do that. But I think he eventually did that. And I thought he finished the game really strongly. So I'm going to give him a six. I don't care. A six for attitude, Ken. I'm going to give him a six. I'm going to give him a six for attitude, for character, for courage, for left-footed deliveries. Mm. But I'm, I'm, it's not a seven, Owen, because he did give away a catastrophic <laughs> goal. <laughs> so. See, Ken can give it and can take it away. You know, Seamus Coleman was ranked not on his performance, but on what we expected from him. Yes. So, I mean, you know, you, you can't say that it exists in, in isolation. No ranking is an island. That's yeah. the defence taken care of. Midfield? Ben Whelan, seven points. I mean, the suspense is all gone, given that we know they're all six or seven. But yeah, don't know which is a six and which it, is a seven. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. Ben Whelan, seven, did you say? Seven points, oh, Ben Whelan. Because I thought Ben Whelan uh, was really try- doing his best to try and shape the game. Ben Whelan was, was coming back and trying to cooperate with Wilson and O'Shea and getting things going, trying to turn and... Uh, bring teammates into the game and I thought he was a good example uh, to his uh, midfield partner James McCarthy who I thought maybe should have been a little bit more like Glenn Whelan which is why he only gets six points on. It was almost as though James McCarthy was so impressed by what Glenn Whelan was doing that he simply forgot himself and stood there watching it (laughs) rather than attempting to really get involved and uh, shape the game in the same way. Not everybody agrees with my impression, I have to say. And I think McCarthy probably did uh, strengthen as the game went on. Yeah, there was one moment in particular. Yeah, one moment in particular where James McCarthy took uh, a ball around the right-hand side of the the Polish defence, as in on their left. A really storming run. I can't remember what he did with it in the end, but it, it looked impressive. But his touch was a little ponderous at times. It seemed like he was struggling to... There were moments where you should be able to kill a ball. Someone of his quality should be able to kill a ball and pass it. And he was taking two touches rather than one just to get it under control. And then playing on, he didn't look to me like a guy who's... Mm. He's never looked to me like a guy who's been massively comfortable playing in that Ireland team. Yeah, uh, and I, so I, six I, is probably all right. Yeah, and I just kind of think that he doesn't get his head up quickly enough. It's actually, it was quite striking when Wes Hulan moved closer to him on the pitch. That every time Wes got the ball, his head was up. And McCarthy's head is like down to you, take the three touches you're a big Franz Beckenbauer man Murph you're just like the guy just dead straight not even not even tilting their head downwards just looking forward it might be time. a slight tangent no. but uh, TG Cahar's uh, recent GA coverage has has featured this <laughs> this thing where they they stop uh, you know in the pre-game analysis they pick a player and to show that he you know has his head up to, you know his vision is a key part of it they have these like two lasers coming out of his eyeballs and I just it's quite, it's quite striking. And I just thought, Wes Hulahan has the TG Carr lasers. Right. And James McCarthy doesn't yet, he hasn't yet got those TG Carr lasers, but maybe maybe in time. Yeah. Um, I think I think McCarthy actually does play a lot of first touch, first touch stuff. Um, he doesn't, um, he, he doesn't dribble, obviously, the way that Hulahan does. He doesn't try and, he doesn't produce unexpected moments the way that Hulahan does. But uh, he does sometimes go for first touch passes. Um, McCarthy six. Um, we since we're talking about Hulan, I'm going to give Hulan seven points. Huh? I'm not going to give him eight because I thought that he. Eamon Dunphy would have given him about an eleven based on his post match analysis last night. Yeah, well, maybe Eamon Dunphy's making the point that Wes Hulan really should be in our team. I mean, why is he being left out of any of our games? You know, let's play him when we have him while we still have Wes Hulan. Let's put him in the team now. He's missed too many games over the last. 
15 years. You can see it over the next couple of years. After Wazulin retires, there'll be, there'll be a lot of days where you're crying out for a creative, attacking midfield type player who can maybe create something. Mm. And uh, we do actually have that guy. Well, he out. does. I mean, the, the best the best moment of football Ireland played in the raggedy first half was Houlihan getting the ball in midfield, kind of floating slightly to the right, and then playing a pass which took out three Polish players and played in Seamus Coleman, who couldn't quite control the ball. Um, but that's that's the kind of moment of insight that we were just lacking. We we usually lack, you know. Um, he can do that. And nobody else that we have can do that. He, he he really should be playing. I don't think it was his best game. I've seen him play a lot better, but um, definitely he's one of the seven pointers. As is John Walters. He's a seven point man. Who uh, I love John Walters, Ken. Yeah, he's my. I, I feel he's the most underrated Irish player. Why? Because I I think he's up until quite recently. There's been a sort of sense, ah, t- should Walters really be in the team? Is is he is he any good, basically? Because mm-hmm. he's not the, as Steve Staunton might say, maybe he wouldn't be the prettiest striker mm-hmm. on the eye, as Staunton said about, was it Caleb Volan or yes. something like that? Uh, just think he's, as well as his sheer size, I'd have him in because he's big and strong for a start. We don't have that many big, strong players. But he's also got an ability, unlike some guys we've had like that over the years, to actually be where the ball's going to be yeah. in the air. He's very mobile. He's a good reader of the game. And his touch is quite good as well. He was... He was good from the start yesterday, even before the tactical switch, which seemed to free up Wes Hoolan and seemed to free up McGeady to an extent. He, right at the start, he was providing that outlet in the right-hand side, uh, which n- nobody else could can provide in the, in the team. So that's why, yeah. I, that's why I agree with your seven. I'm not necessarily giving him an eight, but... Uh, he's, he, he's also, uh, according to his, uh, statistics I was reading this morning uh, on The Guardian, the most lethal shooter in the Premier League. Uh, really? John Walters scores with 38% of his shots on goal. Uh, that which is, is amazing. Which is ahead of the likes of Diego Costa, Harry Kane. Uh, level with Juan Mata. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, that's a weird one, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, what does that say? Does that, does that say, John Walters, you really should shoot more? Or does that just mean, John Walters, last resort, I will shoot, but only under extreme duress? Well, look, he, I mean, apparently, what it tells you is that when John Walters shoots on goal, He's got a pretty good chance of scoring. Um, but of course, um, it also sort of tells you um, that he's he's only taken... Well, look, I mean, Walters has scored uh, 10 goals this season, which is which is pretty decent. Um, 10 goals in 28 games, that's not bad at all. So um, maybe he should be backing himself a little bit more for the goal. Uh, he didn't get to take any shots last night, I don't think, for him, but he did, I think, help to uh, shape the game in our favour. So yeah, seven points for Walters. Uh, Robbie Keane, only six points, I'm afraid, Owen. Uh, because, you know, this was this was almost the hardest decision to make on the six. Did Rob, what, what was Robbie Keane doing for a lot of that game? You were tempted to give him only a five, were you? I felt that in the context of a stirring comeback, it would have been too harsh. <laughs> it simply would have been too much. It would have felt as though I was putting Robbie Keane out there and putting him in the stocks and pelting him with rotten fruit and vegetables. Why, you know, why would I single him out in such a humiliating way? But he does get a 6.00, or maybe a 5.98 for last night. Subsequently rounded up to... Rounded up. Uh, His best moment of the night, undoubtedly, was towards the end of the game, when a ball was being pinged from the Polish defender, an attempted long ball. Robbie thought, hang on, the only way to block this is to turn around and hit it with my back into the 
feet of James McCarthy, uh, James McLean, who then stormed out left and Arden got another corner, which they failed to deliver from. Oh, there was also his, I wouldn't say he stormed right back into his own defence to make a tackle. Oh, yeah. Which is great. Probably not, ideally, tactically not what you want from Robbie Keane, <laughs> but it showed a good desire. Yeah, he, um, I, I, thought, I thought he was quite ineffective. I mean, okay, the team generally wasn't good, but in the first half he was, he was very ineffective. Um, he, he, he just couldn't seem to, even when the ball was coming towards him, he almost seemed to be moving away from it. Um, there was a moment when, you know, he lost the, he lost possession quite near the centre circle, then started complaining to the referee, and unbeknownst to him, the ball was actually coming back to him from a teammate who'd managed to intercept and, and return the ball towards him, and because Robbie Keane was complaining, he didn't even notice, and lost the ball again. Uh, you know, there were a couple of kind of frustrating moments along these lines. He obviously had a header, but that was his, you know, that was the chance he had. The one chance it wasn't a great chance. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. Didn't score it. So, yeah. And there was. Uh, so I'm going. I'm going to give him six on this occasion. I don't, I, I don't think he was one of our best players on the night. And Aidan McGeady also gets a six because uh, I don't think he did enough in the game. Um, in fact, the combination of him and Brady down the left side was very dangerous. It seemed almost every time that Brady and, and McGeady came within ten or fifteen yards of each other, Poland quickly got a chance out of that. And uh, once he was moved out of there, he improved, Brady improved, but not really by enough. And I think a lot of people were quite relieved to see McLean come on. McLean's a seven now. Substitutes, often you see in these player ratings, substitutes not on long enough to rate. But both James McLean and Shane Long made an impact in the game. Surely they get a mark at a ten. McLean definitely gets seven. And uh, actually, that's exactly... Uh, <laughs> one of the guys last night told me that that's what he had sent in uh, about Shane Long to his desk. So he's rather hoping that they had seen that and hadn't put it in. But maybe if you look at the papers today, you'll see one of the newspapers saying Shane Long wasn't long enough on the field to make an impact. Uh, but in the event, he got seven points. Yeah. Uh, you, can't, uh, you can't deny a striker who manages to, uh, to score a goal in a small uh, space of time hits seven out of ten. I enjoyed that, Ken. I would advise, you? if you're ever, you ever to get one of these into print, you might, I would imagine the sports editor of the Irish Times, if you send him back these player ratings, might just ask to revise one of the players up to an eight or one of them down to a five, just to get somebody mm. really talking about these player ratings. But you got to go with what you Look, genuinely feel. You know, that one point difference says it all. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to praise too much. You know, I don't want these guys to be, to, to be swept away on the torrent of praise. I don't want them to lose, lose their bearings, you know, as professionals. I don't think anyone's losing their bearings. But on the neither back of these player ratings. Neither again. do I want them to their confidence to be to be shattered Irreparably. beyond repair. You know what I mean? I'm saying six out of ten is still not bad. Martin O'Neill. I believe I believe you're better than that. Uh, Martin O'Neill. Did he have much to say afterwards? You know, he was he was he seemed quite happy afterwards. Certainly, he wasn't. He, he didn't give the impression of a disappointed man. Even though, you know, looked at coldly, this is a disappointing result. We wanted to win this game. We didn't win. Um, O'Neill talked about the character of the team, talked about the fact that this scoring late goals, this is no coincidence. He, the one thing he was annoyed about was the goal that we gave away, which he thought was stupid. But um, but overall, he seemed he seemed quite happy. I mean, maybe, you know, what he saw in the second half, maybe what he saw was finally evidence of a team coming together. Now, maybe at the, it's at the last possible moment when they could and still qualify from this group, but... Maybe that's happened. The question is whether the momentum of a game that happens at the end of March can be carried into a game that's going to happen in the middle of June against um, against Scotland. The momentum can't, but tactical ideas can. Mm. The tactical, tactical ideas that he struck upon 
it's funny for an international manager it's a weird job you can sure he as he says himself I think last week he's sick of looking at DVDs you can only learn and training is fine you can only learn from what you see your players do for Ireland and the friendlies are long gone at this stage so really you're learning as you go but he's been in the job long enough now that you would hope he has at this stage has a definite idea for the rest of the campaign and doesn't deviate too far from that there is one um, slightly weird thing about it though which is that if you consider last night two of our 7 out of 10 players are Wes Houlihan and James McLean now by the time we play Scotland the championship will be over nearly 6 weeks I think now okay they might you know Houlihan might be in some playoffs so he might uh, have a slightly longer end to the season but um, that's that's got to be a bit of a concern then for O'Neill he might be looking at looking at last night and going okay well those guys should play but then you know suddenly if they're if they haven't played for weeks then it, it does create a bit of a dilemma it is a weird one it'll affect some of the Scots as well presumably yes it will it will in fact they maybe have more than we do in that sort of yeah. in that sort of situation but anyway and uh, so that's um, that's the Ireland game um, England managed to managed to win their own. Harry Kane scored within about three seconds of his debut, uh, which is uh, which is good. It is impressive, yeah, yeah. No doubt uh, about that. Neymar you, gets. You, you give him even more than a seven for that, maybe. Uh, well, I don't he's know. barely on long enough to be rated. Shane Long, right? Shane Long got a seven. True. I mean, he scored a more important goal than Harry Kane. He only got seven. Harry Kane six point six. Uh, but for, the me- for, for the media reaction that Harry Kane stirred, Ken. Uh, well, he's been doing that all season, hasn't he? He is a popular young man. Why shouldn't he be? You know, he's he's done everything right at this stage of his career. Uh, Neymar uh, complaining about uh, uh, Brazil beat France. By the way, since Brazil appointed Dunga, they've won like all their games. <laughs> uh, Dunga is, you know, obviously they said, "Well, this is this is terrible. We're abandoning any uh, any of any pretense that." progressing or changing the way that we do things. We're just falling back on the way we used to do things 20 years ago. Dunga's like, yeah, what's the problem with that? We used to win a lot of matches. You know, I save my giggling for when I'm sitting around the dinner table with friends. Um, I wouldn't say Dunga giggles too much even in in that environment. One of those guys that actually just says, that was very funny, and doesn't laugh. That's the kind of guy. Oh, that's a a good joke, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's hilarious. Um, Neymar was criticising Gary Medell, who stamped on his calf... He said, we can't call this football, we should call it UFC. This is Neymar. Um, he is a UFC fan, I believe. As are most Brazilians. Thiago Silva, one of these. Did you see that? Yeah. Thiago Silva. Had a bit of a goal, Conor McGregor? Yeah, he did. Um, he uh, he called him a douchebag. <laughs> uh, and various other things. He said he wants... Well-known uh, Portuguese phrase. Hmm. So I didn't know Thiago Silva was a character in a John Hughes movie from the <laughs> late 1980s, but uh, there you go. Uh, he, he wants uh, Jose Aldo to shut Conor McGregor's mouth, uh, shut, shut his uh, mouth up for him. So uh, it seems like they'll be, they'll be watching that fight when it happens. That's the end. Oh, do you want... Uh, no, that's the... Oh, and one other thing is that uh, Luis Suarez was back at Anfield the other day, Owen, winning a penalty uh, in this Steven Gerrard uh, tribute testimonial type game. Uh, not a testimony for Jared Rodgers. It's a sort of charity game that organised, and uh, it was two-two in the end. Two uh, two penalties by Steve Jared. One of them a, a penalty won uh, by Suarez off Jamie Carragher after Drogba and Balotelli had scored in the first half. Um, Suarez after the game promised that if he ever did return to England, he would only play for one team, and that would be Liverpool Football Club. So uh, 
something to hold on to there. That's it from Kennedy's Report on Sport. That's one of those things. Stop it! How many players can do this? Duffman can never die. He's 34 years old. It's one of those things. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. No, he did. No, he did. Questions about me being the MVP of this league? I think he just said right there. Oh yeah, he's got more of a tan than me. We're going to hear from Brian Kerr in a little while, but myself and Ken caught up with Dion Fanning at the stadium immediately after the game last night. Dion, I guess a draw ahead of time probably wouldn't have been considered a good result, but uh, given the circumstances, would you be would you be happy enough? I suppose, given the circumstances, you have to be happy with it, uh, especially given the first half performance, which was so bad, um, and. You know, it looked at that stage that Poland could go on and, uh, you know, if they wanted to, they could score more goals and really put, you know, a defeat would have put Ireland out of the competition effectively. Um, so in, the, in that context, getting a point and playing, you know, better in the second half, I, I wouldn't go along with the people who thought it was a, a great second half performance, but it was, it was better. Uh, you know, you, ha- you, have to, you have to be happy, but the, the problem is, and now Scotland, they ha- you know, Ireland have to beat Scotland, really. Like, there's no other way around it. And uh, is this a team that looks like it could can hold a lead in a game? I, I, it's very hard to see it as a team that could actually hold on to a lead. I think the only way Ireland could really beat Scotland is if they scored the winner in injury time. <laughs> uh, Ireland have been in the lead for this leaving the Gibraltar game. I think one minute out of all the games, <laughs> all the games that they played. So, uh, but I mean, I mean, I would say there was three big decisions in that game. One of them was Robbie Keane starts ahead of Shane Long. One of them is Shea Given started ahead of David Ford. And the last was that Robbie Brady started at left-back. What was your opinion on all of these three? Well, I, I think they were all wrong decisions. Uh, all wrong? I think they're all wrong. I think, uh, I think Robbie gave the performance that he gives, and, you know, unless he scores a goal, which is you know, he's, he's, he's not on the field at all. Like in the second half, he became more of a kind of shop steward, you know, maybe <laughs> appealing for, you know, decisions on behalf of his co-workers and trying to get some some things in his favor but otherwise I didn't think he did anything I thought Shea probably could have done better for the goal and Robbie Brady it was, Robbie, it's, Robbie Brady was playing left back which isn't his natural position did you, you thought Shea even could have done better for I the goal could, I thought he probably could have done a bit better for the goal I didn't I think I think he was, he was slammed in from the yeah, rail yeah, yeah, well, yeah I still I thought he could have probably done a bit better in, in, in what, in what yeah. position well, well yeah I think he could I just thought he was a bit, a bit slow to react to it I, I didn't think he was uh, I think David Ford in those positions has actually pulled off some great saves for Ireland I think it was, it was pretty harsh on Ford and I thought it was interesting that O'Neill uh, said that Ford was unlucky um, not to start, mm. uh, and you know he said it about a couple of players, and you know it's kind of interesting because he hasn't done a lot wrong. Hasn't done anything wrong. No, no. Um, now, you know apart from that, you know given I there wasn't there probably isn't much in it, but I didn't think I, I thought there was a lot of things. I thought the first half performance it was very strange in the sense that Ireland played long balls and they'd selected this team that seemed to be designed to attack and play football. And then they, they were, the, the, the defence were kind of hoofing it forward, by, bypassing the midfield, which didn't seem to make any sense at all. What about Brady, though? Go back to that, because he obviously gave away a goal, so that wasn't good. 
and he made a few mistakes in the first half and he, he ended up getting punished, but he stayed on and produced a lot of dangerous moments. I mean, the, the only dangerous moments, I mean, there was, a, there was one that hit the post that was deflected on the post. There was the Robbie Keane header that hit the post. There was the corner at the end. Did he not, in the end, justify his his, his I, presence? I in the think field? Robbie Robbie Brady it, it doesn't have anything. It's it's it was the position he was selected in, which was responsible for the goal. That's that's the problem. I don't think there's any there's any problem with Robbie Brady being on the field and being in those attacking positions. I just don't think selecting him, selecting a left back was was a gamble. Now mm -hmm. you know what what he could have done instead. He, he wanted to keep Wilson in the centre. Maybe he could have played. Wilson left back and moved and put somebody else in in, in, in So maybe maybe drop McGeady and play Brady. But maybe, left. but McLean did well when he came on as well. McLean made a big difference. I wouldn't have played McGeady. I think that's another. Uh, that was a big decision, and uh, I wouldn't have played McGeady. The form he's been in for Everton. Um, I think that was that was another call. Yeah, and you're talking about the entire left hand side there. Uh, it seemed to me that they really they really struggled to get it together. Uh, Robbie Brady and uh, and McGeady ahead of him. Although funny, I have to confess when McGeady, I, I was I was looking at one stage toward, towards the end of the half, and I thought McLean has to come on in the second half, and then McGeady found himself a little bit of space in the box, left two guys on their arses and nearly chipped the ball into a top corner. So he, that, that's what he's there for. But uh, and I suppose he produced it earlier on in the, in the group uh, against Georgia, but uh, not much sign of it tonight. No, I, I, there, was, there wasn't much. It was just, again, there was an awful lot of Irish players who gave performances w that we've seen uh, so many times before. And maybe that's... Well, I don't know what. Maybe what else are they supposed to do except do what they what they've always done? Um, what are the what are the positives though? We are talking quite negatively here. The motivation that seems to be in the team, the the never say die attitude, the late goals, all those things. That that's what O'Neill presumably has been brought in for. Yeah, well, it's interesting why why they played like that in the second half uh, and not in the first because presumably, and you talk to anyone about O'Neill, his his pre match. Uh, motivational talks are, 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 are even better than whatever he says at half time and yes you know they go out and played like they did in the first half second half it did change I think it was I do, do think that it was helped by the polls dropping back and uh, sitting on their on their lead and you saw when when Shane Long equalized that Poland nearly went and scored again uh, it was like okay well, you know, let's go and do this and they almost just immediately kind of you know got through the Irish team and so I think that was that was in Ireland's favour, but there was there were, were positive. I think McCarthy picked it up in the second half a bit. Wes Hoolan obviously uh, kept trying to play. He was kind of asked to do too much in the first half, where he was trying to he was dropping deeper and deeper to get the ball. But he is uh, he did show that he can play play at this level and can play at, at games of of high intensity, and that's that's something. Um, to you know, to, to, to you know, that's a positive. Was that, uh, by the way, the first mention of McCarthy? He, he's only coming to this conversation quite late, as was mirroring his involvement in the game. I mean, he didn't really do a lot in the first half. He was, he was, uh, seemed to me standing around a little bit, sort of um, to one side of everything that was happening, and not really seeming to seem to show a big hunger to get to get involved in the game. It was, it was, a, it was a amazing. Uh, Performance from a central midfielder that you can you know you you're used to seeing maybe forwards or or wingers with the game kind of uh, passing them by, but he was he was there was times when he just did just seem to be standing there you know with centre backs on the ball and he was in the exact wrong position to to get the ball off them and he was making no effort to uh, 
to move it or go looking for the ball. And that was partly the reason in Ireland we're just knocking it forward to you know, the worst person you can have as a lone striker if you're just going to boot it long. So all these things weren't working together. In the second half, he did, he did do, do better and, and uh, you, know, adva- you know, advanced a bit and showed a bit more of, bit more of, sort of personality. But um, I, I think you know, there, are, there are a few things. It's a very strange, like this whole disjointed nature of this campaign, the whole disjointed, you know, Martin O'Neill has been in the job 16 months and you still are in this situation where you can think, well, he's very new in the job because, and he'll know a lot more about his team after this because of the way it is. You know, there's another two months now before, before the next game and there, is, there doesn't seem to be any chance of, of building up any rhythm or kind of... Uh, you know, that, 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 that kind of knowledge that a team gets from playing together regularly on a regular basis. And that's the thing that's kind of lacking, I think. That was Dion Fanning of the Sunday Independent speaking to us at the ground last night. Listening back to the three of us, Ken. Doesn't sound like we were exactly swept along in the tide of euphoria after the late call. I, I thought we were all a little bit uh, happier than that. Certainly not. I mentioned the positivity of the RTE panel, which I was somewhat surprised about. Well, Giles and Dunphy in particular were blown away by Ireland's performance Brady, maybe not so much, mm. it seems, but uh, certainly the, the two boys thought that it was incredible by Ireland. I just can't help getting drawn back into the conversation we had last week with Richie Sadler, in which we all said, OK, we've got to go for, we've got to put out an attacking lineup, mm-hmm. go go for a win here, which Martin O'Neill did. Mm-hmm. We accepted at that stage that a draw wasn't a good result, so it's still not a good result, really. It's It, it feels good, uh, sure, but it, I don't know how beneficial one point is going to be in terms of actually you know qualifying el- for the tournament. You know what else feels like a win? An actual win. Yeah. So we, sh- we should probably try and get one of those. I mean, feeling feeling like a win is good. But then you wake up the following morning and you realise that win we got yesterday... That was an actual win. That was a, that was a draw. <laughs> that was actually only draw, yeah. Yeah, the win we got last night... Why have we only got actually, one point for this win? It's a three, it's, there are three-point wins, and then there are one-point wins. Ireland are currently very good at the one-point victories. Well, one-all is just the, the result that we always get, isn't it? It's just our defining result in all of our international history uh, is, is one-all. Whenever there's a really big, important home game, one-all is usually the score. And unfortunately, drawn of home games, one-all, and... Really the uh, the only time I ever tried that theory in the bookmakers oh, yeah. was Ireland Sweden <laughs> last uh, year. So two that, all, no two one, two, <laughs> two one. Two one we lost, and uh, there we go. Yeah, but I mean, uh, other than that, I mean, one one is uh, you know there's a vast pantheon of them. Former Republic of Ireland manager Brian Kerr is ready to chat. Brian, good to talk to you. Uh, crack before we get onto the football itself, the atmosphere was cracking last night. We mentioned it earlier on. There was the late goal, bit of drama there. Was it important for Irish football to have a night like that? Yeah, I, I, I think so. There's been a lot of very tame nights in the in Lansdowne Road in, in recent years where the stadium has been half full or less and, you know, you could hear the voices of the crowd uh, very clearly and, um, you know, they were low, low um, individual voices shouting out instructions, whereas last night we had a real real passionate atmosphere of a football stadium. And very interesting, I think, that the, the, the supporters of both teams were mixed together, as is normally the case, uh, you know, rugby and Gaelic matches. And yet, here we had a soccer match, and it just, just kicked something with me. How the hell could St. Patrick's Athletic not play the home game in, your, in the Champions League this year against, um, uh, against the Polish team at home? 
because of some issue as regards cow control. That was what struck me. It might seem a strange reference, but it came to my head when I saw the crowd last night. And yeah. it, it was just a brilliant atmosphere. And fair play for the polls for uh, imagine to get so many tickets. I couldn't get two myself. <laughs> yeah, they certainly seem to. Well, I think Irish fans have done that around the world enough over the years, so we were probably due to, to be yeah, on the re- I, receiving exactly end a little bit. I, I, I felt about it all myself. I thought, you know, we've been very good at eking out tickets where they're supposed to be scarce for big away games in the past, and I, I thought it really added to the, to the occasion, to the match, the atmosphere, and uh, to the passion in the ground. So, I mean, it seems as though most people uh, think last night we started off playing very, very badly and finished up playing really quite well. What do you think happened in the middle? Um, I, I, well, are you asking me, Cam, what, why did we not play well in the first part of the game? Or what happened in the middle that, that, that changed it? Well, either. I mean, either, really. I mean, yeah. we, we didn't. Well, I, I think the, the first part of the can I would put down to that. There was a, a certain um, uncertainty and lack of clarity about what we were trying to do in the first half. I think there was a risk taken in the selection. Um, I think that was a brave, brave selection. But, you know, some of the, the, the um, fears I had in advance of the match when I saw the actual team and when I, I kind of debated with debated with other people before the game whether Robbie Brady might play left back. I think that was a it was a it was a it was it was a, it was a mistake I think to play him there because he hasn't played there at a club level. He plays left wing back for Hull, which is a hugely different challenge than playing the international match against Poland at left back. I think in a lot of games. There's a mistake in Mark Wilson, um, and I think the combination of John of uh, Robbie Keane and Wes Hewlin as a front pairing, on the evidence of what I saw, what looking at Poland closely in the two games against Germany and Scotland, I felt that the, the small combination up front was unlikely to work, and um, they're very robust central pairing and in general they're a very strong back four as are the two central midfield players and that was unlikely we were going to be able to 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 thread the ball through to them that they would have a formula to stop us getting that up there and that that I think I would put a, a lot of it down to how Poland played and to Adam Valanka's um, um, tactical plan I thought they, they imposed their game and their plan on us very well um, the second part of it, I would think. I mean, there were there were other elements in the first half that went very good from our end. I think James McCarthy didn't work hard enough to get clear clean possession, even if it was very deep in the Irish half. At times, I thought he was in the middle and wasn't really looking to get a pass. He, he knew the Polish players around, but he didn't change his position enough to get it, um, and consequently, we didn't have control in the middle. In the second half. I think there was a big change at half time um, in the decision of Martin O'Neill to rearrange the troops and, and push John Walters up in an advanced position, now freeing Robbie a little bit from being the central tag man, which he said before he doesn't really think he's qualified to play that role. When Walters went up there with him, I know he was going there towards the end of the first half, he was drifting off the right flank, uh, made a big difference. Wes Hillen went out wide but didn't stay wide. McGeady started to pick up a bit of ball on the inside, and, and as did Wes Hill. And we just 
we got on top. They haven't been in that position before against a strong team of being one nil ahead away from home. They were one nil ahead against Germany eventually, and um, you know they hung on and got a late second goal to win. But they weren't in that position away from home, so they they kind of went back into a bit of a shell. We got more intensity into a game. And you saw the results after that. Colin and Brady got forward consistently. We were winning a lot of free kicks, good crosses from the left-hand side, from McLean when he came on. Uh, and, and chances started to happen. Uh, and Bobby Kane, there was a little bit more freedom for him to get movement down the, down the channels and try to support Walters. So it just got, it got better. But I, I compliment the manager on the changes he made in the second half. Mm. I didn't think... The first half was very good, and I thought there was a lot of. Uh, I used the phrase previously, off the cuff stuff on the on the on the set pieces, which Brady was brought into the team to deliver quality on that, and that there wasn't a lot of quality. And ironically, we we did get a goal in the set piece, but yeah. it was hardly in the in the preparation plan that Wes Hulham was going to win the header in the six yard box or yeah. near the six yard box. You mentioned intensity. Uh, Brian, one of the things that maybe brought a bit of intensity was the introduction of McLean, and he um, he really went through Arkadiusz Milik a couple of minutes after coming on, and it was interesting to to just to hear the reaction of the stadium to that. I mean, it was one of the biggest moments in the game. I mean, judge, judging by the decibels, um, why do you think it is that that something like that? Still has such a such a fascination for the Irish crowd. I mean, we, we almost every time Ireland play, somebody mentions Roy Keane going through the back of Mark Overmars. Why is it such a um, uh, an important thing for us to see our players uh, boot other players to the ground from time to time? Well, I suppose a bit of uh, the old tradition of Irish teams being on the back foot and let's get up and at them and sort them out and Paddy will show you how to do it kind of stuff. Uh, and we get stuck in, you know, this old maybe respect when we were underdogs that we had for continental teams, you know, and a way to get round it. Like I can go back forward, I can, and that one to to days of um, of Charlie Horley and Noel Cantwell, and uh, in the in the sixties, and we 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 beat Spain in the World Cup qualifier in Dublin. Well, nothing on the goalkeeper. Eribar got a got a, a fair old dunt as he as he came from across. Came for a cross and it, it, it resulted in a, in a goal for us. But that you know comes with maybe tradition of uh, of, of Gaelic sports, you know, the, the rugby and so on. That if you're not seen to impose yourself on someone physically with with a big tackle, I mean, even if you go back, the Irish sport is always like the, the like Davy Langham when he played right back, and his style was you know get stuck into your to your winger, and if you can put him ball and all over the touchline. That was that was that was a great starting point. So um, I think you had an impact in the game, yes, because people were delighted to see it happen. Not many of them allowed these days. That's the other thing. The referee was uh, Mr. Erickson at the time. McLeanians didn't uh, didn't think it was a an over aggressive tackle. And I, I think Milik's reaction helped as well because he lay down waving his hand as if he was going to need he was going to need an ambulance to get him off the pitch. And yes. You know, miraculously, he was up and about and ready to go again in about 30 seconds once he'd had his little bit of treatment. So, you know, it's it, I think it's a more traditional thing that's not quite unique to us. The Scots like to see a bit of that. The English, I think, like to see a bit of it as well. But it, it does seem to, 
to, to get our supporters more on side with the team when they see one of those aggressive tackles. Yeah, and one of the Polish players in, in advance uh, had kind of flagged that, said that he was uh, almost horrified watching Ireland against Scotland because of the physical nature of it. He, he was the guy who elbowed Robbie Keane in the head. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so he didn't seem to be a, a shrinking violet when it came to the on-pitch stuff. Brian, but that's not really... Uh, we have to be get stuck in and all those kind of things, but we're not exactly a physically imposing team. Uh, and I'm wondering where you think we can where our strengths lie for the rest of this campaign. It's going to be Scotland next, and I think everybody's aware we have to win that game now. Can we outsmart Scotland, outpass them? How do we go about building on yesterday and actually winning a game rather than just drawing? Well, we have to do better against Scotland than we did on that night in uh, Glasgow um, back in November. And we, we have to play closer to how we played in the second half yesterday than we did... Um, than we did in the first half yesterday. Can we outsmart now, teams? Can we can we outpass and outsmart teams? Well, well, I'll just continue that one on. Yeah. Um, if I go back to the Scotland game, my opinion was that we were outplayed all over the pitch on the night by Scotland. But they played a rough, fast game that allowed them to control a lot of possession and they passed the ball around better. If you think of how Scott Brown and Charlie Mulgrew, and Naismith, and Maloney, and Anya. More, they, they dictated the game and the, and, the, and the passing game, which allowed them to get Robertson up the flank in the, on the left-hand side, and Whitaker at times on the right-hand side. Our expectancy was that Seamus Coleman was going to be the one getting forward on the right-hand side for us, and Stephen Ward. They were pinned back because Scotland had control. A bit like last night with Poland, we were pinned back. Uh, because uh, Poland had a favour. Until we got control in the midfield area, you can't get really get your full backs into the game. And uh, we we we've got to we've got to find a way of getting parity on the night in Scotland again. Look at the problem: Darren Gibson in in the middle of the field with young Jeff Hendrick. They were they. Uh, you said can, can we uh, can we be clever enough mm. to get a, to get to get on top of someone? You know, and win a match. Well, not the way... I mean, Darren Gibson was only coming back. He hadn't played many games. Hadn't played, hadn't really played a decent game for Everton this season. He, had only, he was only just coming back into things. But he was, the, the, the manager was more or less forced into playing him and Jeff Hendrick because the absence of Whelan and McCarthy. Um, and I, I, I think that, 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 that's always, always the key area of the game, to get control in the middle. They use Naismith very, very cleverly that, that night. And there was times, looking at the game, that I said, did, did our team, were they not aware of how Naismith plays? That's the role he, he plays for Everton continuously and has done very well. It's slackened off a bit laterally uh, in the season. He's probably had too many matches. But for Scotland, they controlled that area of the pitch. We were, you know, floundering in there. The Walters' uh, long team didn't work. They were up front. They didn't get enough ball. When they were together, it was times it, it went okay. But it, it was it was that area in the middle of the pitch that Scotland won control of, and we've got to find a way to to get a hold of that. Equally, they dominated our two weeks front players. Russell Martin and Grant Hanley on the night were better than Walters and, uh, and Long. Didn't allow them to get into the game, and I just felt everywhere on the pitch they just had a little edge or sharper to the ball. They had a clearer plan. And and, um, and I thought they deservedly won the game on the night, even though we nearly scratched, scratched the draw 
on that one with the the, the, the long free kick came off Hanley's head and hit the crossbar in the last minute. Yeah, well, we certainly improved on, on some of those areas, I think, yesterday, Brian, particularly in the second half. But the, the late goals that we continue to rely on, how do you view them? Are they papering over some cracks or are they a fair indication that actually under Martin O'Neill, this team has a little bit about them mentally, whatever about the physical, the, the, the tactical and technical deficits? Um, I, 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 that's that's that, that's a hard one uh, to to um, to understand. I, it, it's it's a great um, it, it's 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 a, it's a great aspect of the game for a team to have that if you can you can find a way to, to pull it out. When you look at Georgia, the game was fairly easy, even, and and it looked almost like like both teams are going to settle for a draw when McGeady came up with that with that great winner. Overall, we were. We probably were, were just about the best, better team there. Germany um, on the night we uh, Germany had a lot of possession. We defended well and didn't create any, many chances. Neither, neither did Germany. We did the first real take chance was just right before half time, where David Ford made the save at the post. Second half they nominated and really should have been uh, two or three up before we had our little spell when Wes Hulland came onto the pitch and he had a shot blocked. But, you know, that persistence, perseverance, little bit of belief that maybe came from winning the game in Georgia was there in the team. And now it's established in the team that in Scotland there was hope we would pull the goal out at the end. Um, it's, it's, it's a very positive thing to have in the team, but you can't be relying on it because someday you're going to be two down. And you won't. The last minute goal won't rescue you. Um, but but I, even last night in commentary, I kept saying, "Look, you know we've pulled out a goal. This team has pulled out goal before. They will know that, and they'll stick at it right at the end. The five minutes injury time now is a big is a big boost and advantage, and that's how it turned out. So it, it's a great quality to have." Um, just and, don't be just don't be too reliant on it every single time. Yeah. No, of course not. You won't. That's not because other teams. I, I, I'm surprised the Poland weren't resilient enough to hang on with all those big players late in the game. I think yep. you, we we've got to we've got to get past that stage as well. All right, Brian. Glad you enjoyed the game. Thanks a minute. Thank you. Flame hair, flame hair, flame throw, truth, Mr. Ken Early. Every so often I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to fight someone. John Hayes I'm talking about, Owen. Yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Just on the McLean tackle, you mentioned the decibel level. It wasn't even just the decibel level rose. There was obviously the roar when it happened. But because the Polish player was then laid out, injured, or certainly seemed to... Seemed well, he to came be, off pretty uh, shortly sure afterwards. That gave time for the fans to allow that roar to develop into... I think it was a boys in green chant. It was, it was, it was, it was a prolonged chant anyway. And I went mm-hmm. back and looked at it on TV, which picked out really good crowd shots at that stage. It really was... Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a moment. I don't know if you have a theory uh, as to why it is that we still love that kind of tackle more than 
you know, skillful football. Actually, that's not necessarily true. There's just something about it. There's, it's a, a momentary thing in a game, and particularly maybe the aftermath. You've got a minute where you're not doing anything anyway, and your blood is up as a supporter after seeing the tackle. Well, that's what Roy Keane used to do all the time. He used to think that would that would help him to change the momentum of a game, to smash somebody in a tackle. And um, it has an effect on teammates. It has an effect on... Uh, on your opponents and most obviously it has an effect on the If the referee had uh, we mentioned that the Overmars tackle was brought up uh, quite a lot again, sent him off like, in the first minute like Stephen Gerrard Yeah if he had maybe made the I don't know correct decision and sent Roy Keane off <laughs> yeah. uh, how differently would yeah. we look at Irish mm. football history yeah. uh, That hot head Costas Urchad winning the World Cup our best player yeah. flies into a tackle gets himself sent off after one minute Literally would have been like that that game last, last weekend um, someone actually had said to me I'm backing McLean to get sent off like Gerard here as he came onto the field. And then a couple of minutes after that, he smashed through that guy. I mean, and then he kind of, he kind of strutted around as well. The look at his face was actually very funny. He, was, like, he, he was, chest bumped another player yeah. who was giving him the eye. Yeah, they were, they were saying, oh, you can't do that. What kind of, what kind of behavior is that? Hey, this isn't UFC. This is Euro 2016. Douchebag. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> and uh, and uh, McLean was kind of like, yeah, what's your problem? You know, what's your problem? Do you have a problem with that? I got a whole bag of this back here. I don't want to try. Me. Are you confident we can make those alterations that Brian talks about for the Scotland game? Mm, um, can we carry the second half in to the rest of the campaign? I think we can beat Scotland at home. Yeah, I think we can beat Scotland at home. Well, that will feel. Like I wouldn't fancy our, our ability to beat Germany at home or to not lose to Poland away, but I think we can beat Scotland at home, and that is the next thing. So, yeah, I mean that would that would put us seven points to Poland. I mean, if we had won last night. This group would all, all be um, everyone on 10 points after five games, all the top four teams on 10 points. Oh, that would have been a really good situation. Um, yeah, but uh, that's not the situation. Fortunately, Scotland have some hard games left as well. Listen, we'll talk a little bit more about this in our second podcast today. Plus, in that show, we'll chat about the death of Gaelic football, or at least a very unentertaining game of Gaelic football between Dublin and Derry on Saturday night, which is being seen as the death of the sport by, by some commentators. Uh, so have a listen to that one if you do get a chance. Thanks very much for listening to this show. I hope you enjoyed the game last night. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Owen, and thank you, Kenneth. Thank you, Kieran, and thank you, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Cheers, please. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.